And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic. Totally Football League show, the Thursday edition. Keith Hill's got a mountain to climb at Scunthorpe. Mark Bonner's Cambridge education gets top marks. Leagues 1 and 2 take their turn in the spotlight. And we're joined by the best left-back in the EFL so far this season, according to a stats website. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. It's Thursday, which means the weekend can't be far away. Let's celebrate that by talking about the Football League for between 45 minutes and an hour then, shall we? Uh, with me today, old tactics head himself, Adrian Clark Withers, published author as of today, first written contribution on The Athletic up there now. Tell us a bit more, Clarky. Oh, very exciting. Yeah, very excited about that. Yeah, no, no, I was asked to... There's a feature on the Championship's Greatest Ever Strikers, Modern Championship, since it's been called that. And yeah, I chucked in Dwight Gale into the mix. He was my pick. But there are lots and lots to choose from. Um, but yeah, I think, I'd like to think I made quite a persuasive argument. But but readers can, can find that out for themselves. Yeah, I think you did make a persuasive argument, actually. Because I looked at it and initially I was like, Dwight Gale? Clark, he's yeah. obviously been given that as the last pick. But then, yeah, <laughs> the stats sort of bore you out. So well done. Good writing. Um, also, big welcome back to Wickham skipper and member of Who Scored's EFL team of the season so far. It's the one and only Joe Jacobson. Hi, Joe. Hi, good afternoon. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right, thanks. <laughs> so you can hear we're playing Jump by Van Halen because when we had your gaffer on recently, he told us that he puts this on in the gym at Wickham every so often. Um, are you kind of cringing in the corner or are you secretly loving it when this comes on? <laughs> I like it because then you see him bashing out weights he's you know doing he does these pull-ups which are the worst pull-ups ever but he does about 100 of them and he just sits there he he does his own little thing and you can tell he's in there because this music's just playing as loud as possible no one can say a word to each other but um yeah he loves it (laughs) he's a talented guy uh right later we'll hear from cambridge boss mark bonner and look ahead to the key games in leagues one and two this weekend but first pull up a chair boys We're talking the Wanderers. Yeah, the Wanderers. They roam around, 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 around at the top of League One. Uh, So then, Joe, let's see what what the state of things uh, is at Adams Park at the moment. You're fourth in the table. Gareth Ainsworth nominated for Manager of the Month. Phenomenal at home. Ipswich aside, sorry about that. You've got to be chuffed with with how you've settled uh, back into life in League One as a club, though. It's going pretty well so far. Yeah, it's going really well. Um, we said towards the end of last season, whatever happened um, regarding relegation or staying up, we wanted to take you know good momentum into the next season. Throughout the summer, we did we had a, a great preseason, and you know we started the season off really well. And we're probably not at the start of the season one of the the top favourites to to get promoted. But in house, we had a this inner confidence that we were going to have a good season. I thought we signed well. We signed some good, experienced players who've played higher than 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 Wickham's level has been the last few years. So we all, you know, thought we had a, a good chance of, of getting promoted and that's where we want to be. And um, the home home form's been been really good, apart from last last week, like you said. But, you know, overall, we, we're firmly on course for where we want to be come the end of the season. And, um, yeah, we just need to start a new run again now and, and, and kick on again. And normally when a team gets relegated, they're amongst the immediate favourites to, to go back up again. Maybe because of the nature of League One this season and the kind of size of the clubs that you've got in there, you've been able to go a little bit under the radar more than maybe would usually be the case. Is that, is that a help or is that not something that, that even comes into you thinking? Um, I think we've always been this kind of underdog club at Wickham. I think we've always kind of been the team that no one thinks are going to do anything or, or no one thinks are going to do well through, come to the end of the season. And um, I think we've shown people over the last few years that we we have punched above our weight, but 
you know, we wanted to be one of those big clubs this season. Yes, you've got the likes of Sunderland, Charlton, it's massive, massive clubs and and shouldn't be playing at this level. But, you know, on the pitch, we can compete with them. We've The gaffers, you know, been in, in the job for a number of years and, and created not just a, a good squad, but a great culture around the place. And, you know, with, with all those little things that can help us, I think that we, we should be considered one of those those big clubs. But, you know, if people want to write us off time and time again, then, then we're happy to keep proving people wrong. <laughs> we'll never write you off on this podcast, Joe. I promise you. Yeah, <laughs> big fans, big fans. But what what I wanted to ask you was, you're quite an old team. Like you're no spring chicken. I hope you don't mind me saying that. Obviously, but you're not <laughs> the only one, are you? There's, there's quite a lot of thirty pluses and and late twenty year olds. Not that many kids, which strikes me as being quite unusual, really, in 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 League One. And um, what advantage is there in that, or or potential disadvantage? Um, disadvantages is that um, obviously the older you get maybe you can't play as many games but I think the way we do things at the club they kind of look after the older players a little bit more um, you know Bayo and, and David Stockdale for instance we, we kind of joke around and say they're part-time footballers because the amount of times they're actually in the, the club <laughs> but uh, but no I think we, we do have a good mix we've got a couple of good exciting young players I think um, you know when we signed older players, people like Sam Vokes and Gareth McCleary, I think people have kind of said, that's it, they're, they're done, they're, they're not going to really reach their levels again. But I think they've kicked on again and, and really enjoyed the football. You speak to Gareth McCleary, who was in a pretty bad place before he came to us, and he's he said he's enjoying football as much as he ever has done in his career. And, and Vokes as well, the last few years have been tough for him, but he's come here, he's played every game, he's scored goals and, and been a real handful for, for opposition. So I think there's there's... The older the boys who the gaffer can kind of get the best out of, and and that kind of sets the culture for the rest of the club, where younger players can kind of look at us and and see there's a pathway, and and you know regardless of your age, you know if you're good enough, you're going to play, whether that's being 19, 20, or 35, 36. Now I mentioned that that who scored have ranked you as the best left back in the whole of the EFL. Their team of the season so far came out today. Were you pinning that up on the on the dressing room wall at training today, or am I making you aware of it for the first time? No, I know about it. <laughs> the, uh, I think the club, the club tweeted it or respond, replied to a tweet about it, and then I saw it, and and um, yeah, I've I've had a few messages of friends and and the other boys at the club as well. There's one or two disappointed they're not in it, um, and yeah, it's it's obviously nice to be be picked in that. They always joke that whenever I'm in team of the week or things like that, they say my dad's writing the reports or, or giving me the stats. But um, yeah, look, I'm I'm, I'm playing in, in a team in a position where the kind of the stats do favor me with with set pieces and things like that so I'm happy to keep keep being involved in it and and the more kind of things like that that come your way then and obviously it's a good thing yeah I'm sure you'll be there end of the season too um, if we have a look at some of the other stories going on around the EFL since last we met Derby County could be about to get another nine points deducted from their total that's according to John Percy of the Telegraph the EFL can't comment on it at the moment. Um, Adrian, I just wonder if, if it's better for them to, to just take the full hit now rather than, you know, continue the legal process, drag this on until next season and then potentially start with a deduction in League One. But on the other hand of things, it, they had a slim chance of staying up before, didn't they? And this would surely kibosh that. I think, yeah, that would be the end of their championship status. I couldn't see them coming, coming back to bridge that gap. Um, I think it would take them to, into the minuses again. Um, yeah, so they'd, they'd need an absolute miracle. So now I think that would be Derby relegated. But I think in terms of the club's future, it, the clarity is important and you need to know where you stand. And and if they are to sell the club, which is what the administrators want to do ASAP, really, they need they need to be able to provide the, the new owner with, with, you know, with a clean slate, really, don't they? And, and to know where, exactly where they stand. So, so yeah, I think, I think it's... For the for the best, it's going to happen anyway. So so take take the medicine, and then rebuild from now. I say, must be really frustrating for you, Joe, given that this punishment has come out now rather than at the end of last season. Yeah, it is, and but that's that's football. You, you can never kind of rely on other teams to to drop points or lose points for things like this to kind of keep you afloat. Um, we knew last season that there was a chance that things could 
could progress. But even now, six months later, things are still not kind of clear and, and there's not a lot of clarity around it. And and if it is the case that they get another 11, 12 points, whatever it is, then, you know, unfortunately, like like Adrian said, then it probably will be will be the end because at the minute, I think they're, they're looking like they probably could survive. I think there's a few teams down there that they could catch. But like you said, I think for, for the whole club, it needs to kind of just be done with, forgotten about, start again. And, you know, if they were to be in League One, Derby in League One is a, is a huge club and, and I'm sure it wouldn't take long before they, before they could get back straight to the Championship. Yeah, plenty of big clubs in there. Um, we'll have some manager chat now. BBC reporting Steve Morrison will stay in charge of Cardiff City until the end of the season. He's been minding the shop since Mick Mac got the boot. Um, Adrian, they could do with a bit more certainty than this, couldn't they? Yeah, look, he's done a really good job, as we mentioned before. He's definitely changed the identity. The players seem to respond to him. But it's a it's a really small sample size, isn't it, to, to commit. It, it makes me think that the person that they might have in mind for the job long term may not be available right now. So it's this limbo period where, where Steve Morrison's in charge. And and I guess if he was to do brilliantly, then they would just sign him on the dotted line, you know, for, for two or three years. But yeah, it's it's not ideal. I think it's a long way to go between now and the end of the season uh, with an interim manager. And if, if they hit a bad runner form, which is more than likely, what are they going to do? Are they going to press the panic button and, and get rid of him. And is he going to leave the club completely or go back to the job that he was doing before, which would be difficult for him, wouldn't it, now that he's had a taste of this? So, yeah, it's um, I would say not ideal, really. Um, but but I kind of get it because he, he has done pretty well until this point and, and they probably just want to see a bit more. What would a player think of that, Joe? You're playing for somebody who's effectively on trial for the rest of the season. I guess a lot depends on if you like the person in question. Yeah, it's it's difficult. Um, he's obviously been there for a little while now, so the players will know him, and he knows the club, which is which is a good thing. And and you can see on the weekend last weekend where they've had their kind of new manager bounce, and you know under Mick McCarthy, would they have scored those three goals and and got back into the game? And you know it's it's a difficult one for Cardiff, like you said. Then I think there is a bit too much time to kind of say, you know, we're going to do it to the end of the season. If I was a player, I'd kind of want a bit more security of a new manager to come in. Um, I don't think when necessarily caretaker managers from within take over, they change too much of what's going on. They, they kind of know the players and and some players already may have relationships, you know, good and bad with that, with that, with Steve Morrison. So who knows how they're going to react. But he's, you can see straight away he's changed the system a little bit. He's changed some of the players that are playing. So, so maybe he has, you know, got the best out of players that haven't been playing and, and you know, being from Cardiff and, and coming through there, I want them to to really do well. And um, at the minute they're in a bit of a sticky patch, but but hopefully they they'll be they'll have enough definitely to survive and and hopefully progress up the league. Uh, there is a new manager in the AFL. It's Keith Hill. He is the Scunthorpe boss uh, with the iron bottom of League Two. Players will need to keep running up that road, running for Keith Hill, running up that table. Um, etc. It's an interesting one, this Adrian, because he was he left Tranmere in bizarre circumstances, didn't he? Having got them in the playoffs and then not being allowed to take charge of it for that. So, on the face of it, a good appointment for Scunthorpe, but he really comes in with something to prove. Oh, it's a tough gig. It really is at the moment. I think Scunthorpe's squad has been sort of weakened so much that that no matter who comes in, I think it's going to be difficult for them. He's lost twice at home already in the space of a week to Doncaster. In the FA Cup and the Papa John, so so no sort of major bounce yet. Uh, it's a hard one to gauge with with Keith Hill because rewind the clock seven eight years, his his Rochdale team were superb, playing great football, punching way above their weight on limited budgets. He was he was truly excellent. But then you look at the last couple of jobs at Bolton, he was very grumpy, wasn't he? And, and, and didn't always come across brilliantly in the media. And, and that sort of fell apart quite weirdly. And, and the same happened at Tranmere, where he seemed to fall out with the dressing room, didn't he? And, and certainly with the owners. So, yeah, it's, it's an odd one. He's such a blunt guy, isn't he? He's really to the point with the media. And I just feel in the last two jobs, it's maybe not painted him in the, in the best light. So... From his point of view, he probably just wants to get on with the football now and and yeah, resurrect resurrect his career. Really, this, this might be his kind of last chance uh, to manage an EFL club. So so this is a big big job for him, but he's got his hands full at Scunthorpe because I just just don't think the squad is particularly strong. 
Mm, time will tell with that one. All right, next today, we're going to chat with an actual manager. We'll be joined by Cambridge boss, Mark Bonner. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporters Support Line, and we're speaking to Kevin in Dagenham. Kevin, what's your issue, mate? It's the hardware stores, isn't it? They're all out of white emulsion. Uh, sorry, Kevin, what's that got to do with football, pal? Well, it's international break, mate, and I'd rather watch paint dry. You can make the international break that bit more exciting with Paddy Power's Bet Builder Insurance. Get money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pretty much online bet builders with min two legs only. Max one free five pound bet per customer. Teas and C's apply. 18 plus. BeGambleAware.org. You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Right then, earlier on, I caught up with Cambridge United gaffer Mark Bonner. We can hear that conversation now. Uh, Marcus, as we like to say on the pod, you're in a good moment ahead of the game against MK this weekend. Back-to-back league wins to nil, only two defeats in 10. That would suggest to me that you're acclimatising to League One quite nicely. Is is that how it feels within the club? Uh, Yeah, in some respects. I don't know if you're ever comfortable in that that regard, because we know how hard it's been for us to um, have the start that we've had and get some of the results that we've had. And we know the challenge ahead of us. We've got some major, major challenges ahead with the games that we've got coming up. But it's given us a slight cushion. Um, we, we are stretched at the moment by the number of games that we're playing and, and the size of our squad is a little bit smaller, but we've we've used it quite well to this point and we've come out with some really good results. So I think we needed to start well. We needed to ride on the momentum a little bit of last season and we've been able to do that in the early part, but you're always torn by the fact that, you know, the last two results have jumped us up quite a few positions and you know it can very quickly go in another direction. And although 16 games is a nice start, you know there's still 30 to go, which is a significant period of time. So never get too carried away, but we're, we're pleased with where we are. We've made some good progress, but we also know that it will only get harder and we'll have to keep improving to continue a decent start. You mentioned the, the size of your squad there, and I know that, that team spirit is one of the big strengths for Cambridge at the moment. Is the balance of that something that you take into account when, when you're doing your recruiting? You know, you're looking for kind of good eggs as well as good footballers. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, we recruit massively on character, which is easy to say and actually quite difficult to do in reality because unless you know those people, you know, you know it's like until you really live with someone, you don't know them too well. So you try to get, we, we try to get references on people. We try to keep hold of players and, and not have too big a turnover all the time because we put all of our work into developing relationships and characters and a style and a way of playing. And if you change too much too soon or too often, then I think it's really hard to maintain that. So we, we wanted to try and have continuity going into the season. We wanted to add characters that we thought could complement what we've got. And, and so there's a few things in there. I think the references we've done on people to try and do that, but just our environment day to day, we want people to be themselves. We want to be able to create something where, yeah, we understand how intense this is, the pressure, the, we have to win, we have to be competitive. We know that, but I think there's an element where we should be able to enjoy coming to work as well. So we try we try to have that. We try and allow people to be themselves and move on from bad moments quite quickly if we can. And we feel like we've struck a nice balance there so far. So the challenge always comes when, when you have bad days. But we've always responded fairly well to that in the past 18 months. And I think that's a big challenge for us as we go ahead because we know others have got greater resources than us and, and there's squads with deeper depth and, and better talent than us in some respects. But... Um, that organisation, that spirit, that togetherness can count for a lot. And it's got us some points so far. So we have to hold on to that. Uh, you've been at the club for, what, a decade now? I know you're a supporter too. I wonder if you if you find, is that more of a help than it is a hindrance? I'm sure it factors in both ways. You know, your, your relationship with the club, you'd think that that it's a, it's a positive thing overall, I guess. But I guess that there are downsides to it too, maybe? Yeah, I mean, it's my second spell in the club. This time around, I've been here 10 years and my affinity with the club goes back to being a child watching games here. So it's a, it's a long way back. I mean, there's been a few versions of the club in that period, as anyone in a club would know. There's, there's a lot of changes around board level and ownership and management, senior leadership. So everything changes. My role's changed a lot during that time. I think I think what it we're in a fairly u- unique position from owner through to the board, through to the senior staff in the club, the head coach, a lot of the first team staff and some of the players have been here a long time or are rooted in Cambridge and it's their city. And I think that that is the unique situation that we've got. We understand what we are, where we are in the food chain, what we're trying to achieve and what our natural level is. And we've all got a, 
uh, a loyalty and a love really for our club to see it want to do well. Um, and therefore, that's, that I think is the, the thing that is a strength for us. I think the timing of me getting the job was the thing that, that really paid off. You know, it was at a time where we were in a difficult period. In the end, it was pandemic hit and no one knew what was coming next. And having that um, understanding of who was here, where we were, almost almost pushing a reset button, being able to start again, and for, where do we want to get to at, at a time when we're really well led and there's no sort of um, uncertainty in the club, a very, very stable position. That's just enabled us to be a little bit calmer with the way we've gone about things and, and set about creating a culture that will try to get us some success. Now, we've got some short-term, but trying to maintain that is going to be a challenge. But I don't, I don't really see too many flaws in the fact that I know the club really well. It's certainly worked well for us in this period. And um, I think I know where we can get to naturally is, is within our current resource. And I don't think we're there yet. And I guess that the the fact that you know the club so well and are so steeped in it will kind of mitigate against the the departure of Ian Mather. We know that the CEO is stepping down. Is that is that going to have a a big effect on your on your long term planning personally, or or maybe in terms of January? No, I mean we we've known this for a long time. Ian was due to be here for a year, and um, by request of the board, sort of stepped into the role a bit unwillingly and stayed in the role a little bit unwillingly through the pandemic. So um, he's done a great job during that period. Um, and we know this process has started really early. I think it's a fundamental sign of where we are as a club. That process will take period. We'll make sure we've got the right person. The handover will be fantastic. Ian will continue on the board back to a previous role that he held. Um, so I don't see too much of a, of a change there. And that dynamic of somebody new with fresh ideas and energy coming into the role will help us move on again. And Ian's done his job brilliantly as part of the, the senior leaders that have led the club through this period. And um, I see that as just a continuation now. And I'm sure that he'll want to continue the work that he's doing and then pass it on at the right time to the right person. But that isn't a situation that I think any of us fear because we know we'll have, we know we're an attractive proposition for somebody to come and join. We put ourselves in a good position and I think it's a good place to be at the moment. We always finish with a with a serious question. I'm taking this one from the the video that, that you put on after after your, your pro license course. Firstly, what's the food like at hotel football? Secondly, did you enjoy Les Mis? Firstly, um, the food was good. Secondly, Les Mis was exceptional, um, and the standard of singing on show from the coaching staff on the course was very very good. <laughs> that's good to hear. That that's good development as well off the pitch. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, thanks so much for your time today. Best of luck for the weekend and the rest of the season. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Well, Mark Bonner's Cambridge are away to MK Dons on Saturday, as we said. Uh, Joe, you played MK back in September, lost, but were a man short for, for most of that game. What what kind of strengths and weaknesses did you did you notice about MK Dons? Uh, I think everyone knows about the, the style of play they've got. They, they like to keep the ball. They like to pass the ball a lot, especially around the back and, and kind of suck teams out onto them to then kind of go over the top. I think they've got Mo Ice, who's who's got a lot of pace and can get him behind and can finish well. And and then they've got Scott Twine in the number 10 role who don't let him shoot from distance is, is one thing we got told before the game. I think he's got a wand of a, of a right foot on him and can score from, from free kicks and from deep positions as well. So... You know, they're, they're very good at what they do. They move you around a lot. And it's one of those where you kind of have to be, you know, concentrating all the time. Um, you've got to be really switched on. You can't kind of let someone get the wrong side of you. You've got to kind of have a, a game plan to go with. And and I thought when we played them, we, we did really well for the first 25 minutes or so before the red card. I think we had a couple of chances. We had the woodwork and the sending off kind of changed the game. It's a penalty, but the red card in the end got rescinded. So um, that kind of changed it a little bit. And and we then had to sit in. They, they kept the ball for fun like they do. You know, you've got players like Dean Lewington, who's like a hero of mine, the way he's been in the EFL for the last 15, 20 years. And, um, you know, those, those players, they, they've been carried on from how Russell Martin kind of did it last season and, and the form they showed towards the end of the season was was brilliant and and Liam Manning's got them playing exactly the same way and, and that's why they're, they're doing really well and I think they're up to seventh place now they're in and around it and I'm sure they'll be there come the end of the season Such an interesting league isn't it Adrian because you've got such a mix of styles not just in terms of play but in terms of managers size of clubs everything like League One's the place to be this year I think yeah, I'm loving it. I think we bigged it up at the start of the season. We said it was it was an amazing League One or an amazing looking League One this season. And it's not disappointing because, you know, you've got Wigan leading the way at the moment, sort of 
look how far they've come under their new ownership in a short space of time. Plymouth looked like they were going down last season, favourites for among the favourites for relegation in second. Rotherham Wickham, I think we we called them being up there. Sunderland as well, but yeah, you, you look around. I mean, Cambridge in tenth. They're in they're in the playoff race at the moment. I don't think they'll stay there, but but yeah, it's really really competitive. And, and and entertain and as you rightly say different styles I mean yeah Wickham have got got their style Rotherham's not too dissimilar but then Milton Keynes is is the complete different isn't it and then you've got your Ipswiches who, who are sort of this team of all-stars in, in League One and whatnot and then you've got the more traditional League One type tactical outfits like Cambridge United I guess and, and AFC Wimbledon etc and Gillingham so so yeah, look, it's it's yeah, it's fantastic to watch and very eclectic, I would say. Nice word. Uh, right, next up, we'll look forward to the weekend's action as I once again revel in the use of the word truncated. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Because you're a listener of the Totally Football League show, you can get a third off an athletic subscription right now. All you need to do is head to theathletic.com forward slash league show. Uh, no championship this weekend, but the bulk of the League One and League Two fixtures have survived international call-ups to get the go-ahead. Bolton and crew get things underway in League One on Friday, but we're going to start our look ahead at Portman Road, where Oxford United head to East Anglia to take on Ipswich. After failing to win any of their first five home league games, the Tractor Boys have won their last three in a, a row, but Oxford have won their last two on the road in the third tier. Uh, it's a tough one to call, basically. Um, Joe, I hate to remind you of what happened the other week, but what did you make of Ipswich when you saw them up close? He said, being <laughs> grateful that we're not in the same room. <laughs> yeah, it was a tough game. It was a tough game. Again, we started off really well. You know, we t- went a goal ahead, and I think we had moments to to go two up, um, and then they scored a deflected goal, and it kind of gave them um, a bit of confidence. And you could tell the fans were were ready to kind of turn on their players, which they have done earlier on in the season. I know there was there was quite a nasty place to be at Portman Road early on in the season. Seemed to have turned that corner, but they were still, you could hear it kind of a few groans and things from their fans. And, and we kind of wanted to to take the sword to them a little bit more. And unfortunately they got back in the game and, you know, you look at the players that they've got, you know, at their disposal, their, their squad's incredible for this level. And, you know, I know they signed 18, 19 players, whatever it was, and it, and it does take a little bit of time to gel, but they've still got, you know, players who have played at this level, players like Wes Burns and, and um, Macaulay Bourne up front, who have probably been their main real threats this season. Um, and then with the addition of, I thought, who, who did really well was Kane Vincent Young, who's, I know he's had his injury problems, but I thought he he was really good on the night. And, you know, with the backing they've got, the size of their club, it, it's quite easy for them to gather momentum and, and make a huge charge at this league. So it's going to be a really tough game, but um, I really like Oxford as well and, and the players they've got and the, the style that they have as well. I think it's going to going to be a really really interesting game. Can I just ask you this, uh, please, Joe? In terms of when you play a team like Ipswich, got loads of cash, they're the, they're the sort of all stars of the division. Does it does it give you as players a little bit of added incentive to turn them over or to try and try and rough them up, so to speak, or or, or is that a fallacy? Is that a myth, really, that that people on the outside talk about, but you you're not that fast? No, I think you do. I think, you know, when a big club like that comes to your your home ground um, and when you go away, I think you want to show people what you're all about. And, um, you know, the club built it up. It was one of the biggest attendances we've had for a number of years in the the midweek. And and they bought a huge number of of fans like they always do. So you could tell there's an extra little bit on the game. Um, We 
two years ago when we were in League One, I think it was us and them for a lot of the season battling at the top of the league. And, and you know, a lot of teams in League One still don't like us for what happened at the end of that season. But, you know, for us, we, we just want to get on with it. But yeah, these, these games do add a little bit more to it. And as players, you want to make sure that, you know, you you show that it doesn't matter how much money you spent or, or the, the names that you've got on, on your, your bench or in your squad that, you know, we've got something that you can't buy. We've got like a culture and we've got a togetherness that, that you know, it takes time to build and, and that can get us a long way as well. So, um, yeah, we unfortunately, we, we didn't quite come come to the game plan didn't quite come to fruition the other night but um, I'm sure we've got other chances when we play them away to to get one back on them yeah a couple of news lines coming out of Ipswich this week as well as regards their strikers Paul Cook said he's apologized to Joe Piggott for the lack of action he's had since his summer arrival Uh, meanwhile the East Anglian Daily Times which is too long of a name for a newspaper are reporting that James Norwood is on Ipswich's transfer list Uh, he was he was the big cheese there a couple of seasons ago, wasn't he? But it looks like he's on the way out now. What about Oxford in this game then, Adrian? Won their last three, five of their last six uh, in the league. Carl Robinson up for manager of the month. Uh, how are they going to get on here? Well, yeah, top of the form table, aren't they? They'll, they'll definitely go there looking to score goals. They've got 16 of them in the last six matches, which is amazing, really. It's outstanding. And players like Sykes and Taylor are in really good, good shape at the moment. And they kind of... They kind of have to go on the front for Oxford. I don't think they know any other way. They don't have any clean sheets away from home so far this season, which is obviously a worry. But it does bode well for the game, doesn't it? Because if they're not they're not confident of keeping a clean sheet, they, they should be front-footed. And, and we, should, we, we might get ourselves a cracker. Um, one bit of team news that's sort of a, a blow for them is Alex Gorin, the, the defensive midfielder. is He's out with an ACL injury, so he's going to be out for ages, probably missed the rest of the season. And he kind of re-established himself as a semi-regular in there. Really one of their only defensive players in in midfield. So it's going to put more responsibility on the likes of Cameron Brannigan and Herbie Kane, these these players, to to sort of do a little bit of everything because Gorin was the one that, that did a lot of the, the dirty work, so to speak. So no, I, I think this is going to be a cracking game and uh, yeah, Oxford will um, will give it a good shot, I reckon. Right, cracking game, Oxford in the goals. Here's me playing the role of Debbie Downer. Looks at the head-to-head record. Three of the last four meetings have finished nil-nil. Hasn't been more than a single goal in a game between the two of them this millennium. Um, so we'll see which way it goes. Oh dear, oh dear. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Wickham versus Portsmouth. Joe, you'll be looking to get back to winning ways at Adams Park on Saturday when, when Pompey come to town. Would you care to get in the heads of the opposition now and talk a little trash ahead of that? Or, or alternatively, pay them some gentle compliments about how it's never an easy game? It's never an easy game. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, we want to we win the game. We want to set up. We want to be on the front foot. We want to score goals. Our home form's been, been great, apart from the last game. Um, so yeah, we we want to go and win the game. And Portsmouth with with the Cowleys there, they've they started to they've been a little bit inconsistent probably for their liking. I, I know they started off a little bit slow this season, but um, yeah, it's going it is going to be tough. And and we've these are kind of teams that we've come up against quite a lot over the years. So we know what um, we're going to be expected. We've done a lot of work on them um, in the week to to try and counteract what they do. But um, yeah, we want to win the game and, and that's it. We go into every game with that mentality and, and we think we can win the game. I know it's going to going to be tough and, you know, it's great when they bring a, a huge following down with them as well. So um, yeah, we're lo- really looking forward to it. Elsewhere in League One this weekend, will an away win in Sheffield lead to the famous old stadium being renamed Jillsborough? No, absolutely not. It uh, doesn't mean Gillian won't be trying to beat Sheffield <laughs> <idea>. Wednesday though. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Um, how you read Wednesday's form at the moment? I think this kind of depends on your personality type. If, you, if you're a glass half full sort, they've only lost one of the last 10 league games. If you're glass half empty, they've only won three of those matches. Um, Joe, you, you'll be playing at Hillsborough later this month. I guess this is one, or that will be one, that the boys will be anticipating. Given you went to all those big historic grounds last season and had to play in front of empty houses, this will be uh, quite a nice antelope to that, I guess. Yeah, again, another huge club in League One. And the start of the season, for me personally, I thought if you if you finish ahead of Sheffield Wednesday, I thought you'd, you'd get promoted. I thought their their signs were, were good and I thought they were they were kind of good League One players and, and championship players who looked like they could 
deal with League One um, as well. So I thought they signed really well. I thought they've got a great manager in Darren Moore who who kind of knows the division. And I think they've got a great mix of players who, like I said, have played higher and, and played you know, in the in League One for a long time as well. So I think they'd be strong. They haven't lost many games. I think they've they've lost as, as little as most teams and other teams in the league. So um I fancy them to to be right up there and, and it's only a matter of time before they kind of put a run together, I think. I know they've drawn quite a few games and, and they'll be disappointed with that. But um I do think that they're still going to be be strong and, and again in January teams like Sheffield Wednesday can attract a lot of players and they can they can sign players. You know, it seems like there's there's a lot of money flying about in League One at the minute and, and it's gonna be interesting for to see teams how they kind of you know sign players and, and how they, they utilize that in January as well. Clarkie, you are A going to this game and B a massive Steve Evans stand. What's the what's the big man gonna cook up to ruffle some feathers here? <laughs> uh, he's gonna he's gonna kick off at some point, isn't it? It always <laughs> does, doesn't it? With with Steve Evans. If it's not the opposition manager, it'll be one of the opposition players or it'll be the ref or the linesman or the fourth official. Someone's gonna get it from Steve Evans. That that's my prediction ahead of the game. Um Look, it's a, yeah, it's going to be interesting because the Jills, the Jills are nobody's fools, are they? they? They'll try and rough up anyone. They're they're, they're no respecters of reputations, so they'll go there and look to yeah to to take down one of the big boys, as, as Joe said, and and play their their brand of football. They'll go long, won't they? They don't they don't really play that many short passes. Incidentally, they're one pass short of Wickham. For the least number of short passes per game this season, so, Total football. so yeah, you, you you've got that one, Joe. You're still you're still, you're, you're ahead of the Jills there, um, but 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 they're just not very creative. I think six goals from open play, five from set pieces, and I think they've had a couple of penalties, a couple of own goals. So not not the most exciting team. We know that they don't have much of the ball, but from restarts, they're, they're dangerous. You know when they go direct and. In for Dane Oliver, they've got a guy that's a massive handful. I mean, Joe, Joe will tell you what it must be like to to try and handle Oliver because I think he wins more headers than than anyone else in the division. I mean, what do you do, Joe, when you when you come up against a guy that that they're just booming the ball to as as much as they can? Uh, you let Ryan Tafazoli deal with it. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was tough. <laughs> they played John Akinde and, and Vidane Oliver at front yeah. against us and, and went yeah. direct, like similar to what we do. Um, yeah. You know, we, we do with Sam Vokes, we use him. You know, why not use him if you've got him on the pitch? And they, they did cause us problems. I think we kind of stopped them playing any quality balls. We pressed them high. We stopped them playing yeah. out. We stopped them kind of getting any quality forward and, and in the end it was a comfortable win for us um, they, they did miss a penalty Dane Oliver did miss a penalty in that game as well which which kind of helped but um, look they're, they're good at what they do and, and I'm sure they'll get results doing it that way as well yeah that is the key that is absolutely key to, to deny quality passes to really press from the front the thing is about Sheffield Wednesday I think Sam touched on this recently he said I don't know what they are and whenever I've seen them, I've kind of got that feeling. There's not a clear identity. I do like Lee Gregory up front, really hard-working player, and he's got quality as well. So maybe he can be the sort of the spark when they're when they're looking to to close down. And I think when Sheffield Wednesday have the ball, Gregory will be a threat. I was wondering when I was researching this game if Gillingham were the least interesting team in the EFL, ninth straight season in League One, usually mid-table fodder. Uh, but then I saw that they'd retweeted something fascinating from their groundsman, Tony Proven, who's put a picture of the pitch at Priestfield up. And it says, nice tick over cut at the Jills FC today, prepping for Thursday's fertiliser spray being applied by at Weedman Limited plant emoji. Um, yeah, there you go. Prove me wrong. Absolutely fascinating <laughs> stuff. Uh, on we go. Bert on, Charlton, it's on at the Pirelli Stadium. Albion start the weekend five points off the playoffs. Just a solitary point keeps the addicts out of the relegation zone. Uh, Burton had a morale-boosting 5-0 win this week, Adrian. We won't say who it was against, um, but they have lost their last two in the league, mind you. How do you find them coming into this match? Hang on, before we get to that, let's let's find out what happened, because it's so hard to get info on on some of these Papa John's games um, (laughs) if if you've not attended them. There's hardly any reports on them. What what happened, Joe? Uh, Do you know what? First half... We we did all right and and it was quite an even game. We had nine players I think who have played between them ten first team games and and the other two 
were coming off at half time that was already planned. So the second half we had one one player who'd ever played a league or two players that ever played a league game for us. So we had a really young squad out, but you know we've got a really small small squad at Wickham, so we couldn't play a lot of the the first team players. We had to play a lot of the the B team boys and and the development boys, and and it was a tough learning curve. Burton, you know, had a really strong team out. They they brought on more experienced players as well, and and it was quite even until the first goal went in, and then you could see you know the experience they had and the lack of experience we had kind of caused us our own problems and and it was a big learning curve today we, you know we had a for the other day we had a, a little meeting about it this morning and, and kind of said to young lads that we've all been there we've all you know suffered these losses at the start of our career and it's just how you kind of react and and bounce back and I'm sure they all will yeah I, I think from Burton's perspective they kind of needed it and I think they needed to win in the FA Cup last week uh, 2-1 wasn't it at, at Fleetwood so because because the two games before that in League One they were proper hammerings, uh, even though the scoreline didn't always suggest it. They lost to Wigan and Oxford, Matt. And in those games, they had a grand total of 10 shots, Burton, and they faced 46 shots. So they were they were really outplayed by Wigan and Oxford. So they, they needed those two cup, cup wins to, to boost some confidence ahead of a game against Charlton that won't be easy, of course. So... So yeah, we'll have to wait and see. I, I think Burton are they're just wildly inconsistent, aren't they? They, they, they? they win one, they lose one, they draw one. And it's, it's kind of the pattern. What they are good at, and I know this is is they're strong at set pieces. They've had more more efforts on goal from corners and wide free kicks than anyone else in League One. So uh, so Charlton and Johnny Jackson will have to be wary for that. Johnny Jackson's got to be getting the job soon, hasn't he, Joe? Unbeaten in the three league games he's he's been in charge of. Um, I wonder what it's like for a player. I don't know if you've ever been in this position, but when an assistant gets the big job, might that be a little bit awkward? You know, if, if you've been calling him Johnny for a couple of years and now he asks you to call him Gaffer, is that is that a slightly strange dynamic, or you just get over that pretty quickly? Uh, it is difficult because that. The year when I signed at Wickham, I think the gaffer pulled everyone in. It's like, right, from now on, no one's calling me Gaz. Everyone calls me gaffer. And I think for me, it was fine because I didn't know him as Gaz. But a few of the players kind of, you, you could hear him asking the gaffer stuff and saying Gaz and then and kind of correcting themselves. And it is a difficult one to transition. But but for him, I think he has to get it. He's, he's had a little taste of it before. The three, the seven points they've got from the three games, I think they've they've had two results against some of the big boys as well in the league and done really well. So... You know, he there's you know for his audition, you know he couldn't have gone any better. Um, and I think Charlton need that. I think, you know, the last few years haven't been great, and I think they need someone who can kind of who knows the club, who's been there. The fans obviously really adore him, um, and it seems to have seems to have the players on side as well. And, and the way he comes across, he seems to kind of be one of those those players. Those guys, sorry, who who the players kind of like and the players don't want to let down, and um, you can see the, the the pictures from after games and stuff where where players are close with him and and enjoying kind of being him in charge of them. So I think he should get it. There's there's no reason why you know they shouldn't give it to him after the last few games. And and you know again with Charlton, a lot of signings in the summer. I'm sure they'll they won't be where they are now coming into the, the season. You've got to be good tactically, haven't you, to earn the respect of of players and whatnot. But there's something to be said, is, is there not, about having a strong connection between the manager and the fans? Like obviously, you got it at your place with Gaz or Gaffer. Um, well, Gazfer, got, I was thinking that's the easy <laughs> thing, isn't it? If you did get it wrong, you could quickly transition like, from one to the but, other. But it, it feels to me like that you, because you've got that connection, the club is very united. It's sort of as one, isn't it, between the fans, the players and the manager. And Charlton have got the chance to go down that route. I mean, how much do you feed off things like that as players or is that nonsense? No, it's true. It's um, it's definitely true. You can tell with it when fans of a club are not having the manager and, and don't feel that connection and, and it takes one loss or one poor performance for them to get onto the manager's back. I mean, we could lose five in a row here and the fans would never ask for the manager to be sacked. Probably one of the only clubs in the country that, that could do that. And But that's because he's built that up for so long and, and he was a player here. He'd, he'd earned that kind of respect from the fans. And with Johnny Jackson, it's it's a similar thing. He gave it all for his for the club, and and they respect that. And um, obviously, he he wants to be a manager. He's done his badges. He's been the coach for for a little while now. So it's not like he's he's you know doesn't know what he's doing. But sometimes you need to be given that opportunity to kind of go into a club and and. You know, fortunately, someone does have to be sacked for another manager to get an opportunity. But in his case, I think he's ready. I think he's he's served his time as a coach, and and that's if he wants it. 
but uh, I'm, I'm sure he does and I'm sure he wants to be given a little little go at it and yeah hopefully for, for Charlton it works and for him because if it doesn't work then it's quite a difficult situation to be in. Adrian is there a danger that Thomas Sangard's just kind of waiting for a sexier name to reveal themselves I mean Nigel's not a very sexy name but Adkins did have a, you know, a managerial <laughs> reputation behind him before he came in. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I don't know. I just think that the, the owner there needs to listen to what what Joe just said. Really, that it can be quite special. It can be that connection between fans and the team is so so important, and it can create great momentum as well. I think when things are going well, and 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 also smooth over those those rough patches. So, uh, providing you, he trusts Johnny Jackson. Tactically, trusts his eye for players, etc. And why wouldn't he? I mean, so far, so good on that score. Then I think he should just give it to him. Yeah, a sexier name or a sexier manager would have to start from scratch and learn so much in such a short space of time and probably learn it from Johnny Jackson. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so just say, save himself a few quid. Just give, just give it to him. JJ's are the way forward, aren't they? In football, <laughs> yeah, give it to any JJ at any point. <laughs> um, let's bring in producer Abby at this point to give us some odds on League One courtesy of Paddy Power. Um, Abby, what what have you got, Joe, to be the top scorer from corners in League One this season? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I can't give you specifics on that, but he is six to one to be the first goal scorer uh, in his match against Portsmouth. If you fancy that, um, let's look at Ipswich uh, Oxford uh, first match that we discussed. Uh, Ipswich are the favourites in this one they're 6-5 to five, Oxford 21-10 to 10, but you might like the both teams to score 13-20 to 20, uh, as part of an ACCA if you're going to create one of those we spoke with Mark Bonner Cambridge United boss uh, he won't be happy to see these odds they're 4-1 to one, MK Dons 4-7 to seven, uh, so they're the favourites 4-7 uh, to seven is also where you'll see Sheffield Wednesday and uh, also where you'll see Gillingham at 4-1 to one. so it's very reflective odds uh, between those games and finally we were just talking about Burton and Charlton and that is tight. Uh, Burton are six to four. Charlton thirteen to eight, and the draw eleven to five. Adrian, interested to um, to note that Abby's pronunciation of all also has gone as Scottish as her pronunciation of the number thirteen. <laughs> just it's just such a joy, isn't it? it? When when those moments happen, when she goes from posh to Scott, it's it's a very special <laughs> moment. And uh, yeah, I'd, I think I'd always snigger at it a little bit. <laughs> Everyone is doing it at the moment. I think it's actually making me do it more and more words are getting more Scottish. (laughs) We'll keep a track on that as the season goes on. Uh, Right, League Two next. A couple of League Two things just caught our collective eye. We'll talk about them now. Uh, One of the Matt Taylor's teams host Harrogate this weekend. It's the Walsall manager and his mob who take on town at the Banks' stadium. Contrasting Octobers for these two, third, top and bottom coming into last month respectively. Now just three points between them. Uh, Warsaw, Adrian, eight points clear of trouble all of a sudden and, and looking up after going unbeaten throughout October. Has Matt Taylor done anything specific that you can uh, point out or is he just getting used to being a League Two manager? Probably, well, the second point is is a fact, isn't it? So he will be learning on the job and probably yeah, learn yeah, learning from past mistakes. So that's definitely a factor. He's got a nice settled back four, I've noticed. Um he's got uh many ass and month as the centre backs, bit of experience there and and White and Stephen Ward, very experienced fullback uh in the fullback position. So yeah, and, and Rushworth in goal is on loan from Brighton. So he very rarely changes the back four. I think that that's important. He's also got a striker that's banging form. And you know, Joe will tell you, when when your striker's hot, it, it doesn't half make a difference to, to your results. It, you know, you can the performances can be mediocre, but but if the guy up front keeps sticking them away, you'll you'll keep rolling out the results. And George Miller is the, is their go-to guy at the moment. He's got seven, he's on loan from Barnsley. And I think they're, they're looking to try and tie up a, a permanent deal if they can for him. I, th- I think one of the more interesting things about Walsall is most of their better players are, are on loan. So kudos to Matt Taylor and the team for recruiting the right guys. But at the same breath, when January comes around, will they be able to keep hold of those those players or will they be sent back? Will they be taken back? Or will bigger clubs come in for for those guys? So, so it's a sort of perilous situation. I think they need to 
to get as many points in the bag as they can while while they've got this particular group of players together. Uh, Harrogate-wise, Simon Weaver, not a happy chap. His team got gub 4-0 at the club where he started his career, Sheffield Wednesday, in midweek. And Weaver said afterwards he was embarrassed as he and his team were made to look like fools. Uh, they beat Scunthorpe by six, Joe, not too long ago, but they've lost three of the subsequent four after that in the league. Is, is that just a natural regression for a, for a team still getting used to, to life in the Football League or is there something else going on? Yeah, I, th- I think it's, it, it does happen with newly promoted teams that the form can kind of be a little bit up and down. They, they took great momentum from last season into the start of the season and, and were right up there at the beginning and, and people probably thought, you know what, why not? Why can't they stay there? You see so many teams go back to back in, in the lower league, so why couldn't it be them? But I think they missed a few games, didn't they, with, with the, the COVID um, players having COVID and things like that. So they had a little bit of a break and, and since then it's, they've probably been a little bit inconsistent and... You know, they just need to get out of it, out of that little, um, you know, space where they are at the minute, where, they, where they've lost a few games and, and you know, they're probably questioning themselves of, of are they good enough now to be in the league? But I think they've got a manager there who's been there a while and um, I'm sure that, you know, they'll they'll come good. They've got, they've scored a lot of goals this season, uh, uh, I think. So, you know, if they can do that, continue to score goals, continue to pick up points where they can and then I'm sure they'll you know, have a have a decent season, whether or not that's promotion or whether they'll drift into mid table, but I still think they've they've got enough to stay in the division for sure. Yeah, I think they're solidifying in their first season in the FL with supporters in the stadium's a bit of a weird one for them. Uh, last time around. Um, shout out to any Newport supporters making the 10-hour round trip on a Friday night to see the Exiles in action at managerless Hartlepool. Uh, sounds pretty unpleasant. Unpleasant. You faced them in the uh, the FA Cup last week, Joe. Nice pen too. Were you impressed by Hartlepool? What, what did you see that you liked or didn't? I really liked them. Yeah, I thought they were really good. Um, you know, they've had an incredible home record as well. We knew that going into the game, and they they like to play. They like to play out from the back. And I know the the manager left a week or so before to go to Stockport um, with Anti Sweeney taking over. So um, they've got that continuity with him being there already so the players probably didn't have to change too much and and you know why would he change too much as well when the, the team's doing so well so um yeah they gave us a really tough game the conditions weren't great up there it was quite windy and um a cold day but um you know we managed to to get something out of it the the FA Cup's hugely important to me and, and to the gaffer as well that he, he keeps talking about it so I wanted to progress you know you still dream of having those big ties in the FA Cup even though we were in the championship last season we were still really excited to to, to get the draw against Spurs so um, you know we want to we want to progress it's great for the club but money wise if you can get a big club like that as well so um, yeah we, we've got a, another tough game against them next Tuesday it doesn't help the fixture list because we've got so many midweeks coming up but um, another chance to, to progress in that competition yeah, Hartlepool still without a manager. 16-1 to 1 for Brizio Ravanelli feels like a bit of a long shot to me. Um, Newport, they don't need a new manager, do they, Clarkie? The chap that they've recently brought in is doing very well indeed. Only goal difference, keeping them out of the playoff places, unbeaten in the league throughout October. And I know, to uh, further your point from, from a couple of minutes ago, they have goal scorers in form in, in Baker Richardson and, and Telford, and that's half the battle, as you were saying. Yeah, Dom Telford's on fire, yeah. The last league game, they, they battered Stevenage um, by five, and I think he got a hat-trick. Um, really good hat-trick as well, so so he's banging form. They've had two cup defeats, actually, this week. So so James Robry sort of had had to deal with that, that, that disappointment. So it'll be interesting to see how they respond to it. He's obviously a rookie manager, a very smart rookie manager by all accounts, but but until you've sort of walked the walk, you don't know how you're going to handle it, do you? But now I really like Newport. I think they're in a slightly false position. I think that they're, they're more than capable of, of going up this season. Um, yeah, I, I looked at the, or I saw a stat that said they'd hit the woodwork more times than any other club in the EFL, nine times. So, so things could have been a bit better for them, but yeah, they've got they've got two good strikers in Telford um, and Baker Richardson. Really young midfield that that just work really hard, and uh, and a pretty solid defence. So yeah, I think that this will be a cracking game. But you know, the fact that Hartlepool gave Rick Wickham a run for their money is um, you know bodes well for them. But but Newport will offer a different test. They're, they're definitely going to be looking to to sort of get the ball on the floor and play play through the third. So it should should be a good watch. Abby, can you give us some odds on that and the Warsaw game that we mentioned, please? 
Yeah, we'll start with uh, Friday night under the lights, Hartlepool, Newport County, and it's really close. It's eight to five for Hartlepool, nine to five for Newport, twenty-one to ten for the draw, uh, six to one for no goal scorer in that match. Um, and at Walsall, they are six to four with Harrogate Town, seventeen to ten, and the draw eleven to five. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. It's over 18s only. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. T's and C's apply and when the fun stops, stop. Uh, right, Joe, obviously you listen to the pod every week and you encourage your teammates, friends and family to do likewise. So you'll know that we deconstruct the often uninspiring post-match tweets from EFL players at your own output over at Joe underscore Jacobson. I think it's classic footballer stuff, but I think we can <laughs> we can jazz it up a little bit. Most recent entry after the Hartlepool game, still in the hat, exclamation mark. Tough game with tough conditions. Credit to everyone who travelled to support us. Three applause emojis. Um, how many people are on the Joe Jacobson social media team, by the way? <laughs> I don't, I'm cringing listening to that back now. <laughs> it's horrible. It's one of those things I speak about with friends as well in football. And, and you're like, do I do those tweets or do I not, you know... It's a difficult one, and I and I do get a lot of, I do understand why a lot of players do do it. Um, I'm not one to to go too much into it, but uh, you'll probably tell me otherwise actually by looking at my Twitter. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not someone who tweets overly too much, but um, I do. Yeah, sometimes I write it, and I'm like, Joe, no, to stop. But um, sometimes <laughs> it has to be done. <laughs> look, look, Sam Parkin is available. Right, you know this for a small look, a small fee. He he will start to, you know, just jazz them up a little bit. Just give you a few ideas. <laughs> he, he's always he's always going on about how he, how footballers are so boring with their their tweets. So look, I just we'll hook you up, and yeah, things could things could snowball. I think I think the way to judge it depends on you know if you get a letter from the FA the day after the tweet saying you shouldn't have put that then it's probably a good one but but yeah. you guys the rest of of the of the Wickham squad you're just in in the shadow of Bayo Akinfenwa aren't you I mean he's got over a quarter of a million followers which is more than double than the club's official account does he just lord it up hey I'm sending another tweet now watch I'm, watch the likes roll in guys yeah it's, it, honestly <laughs> when he mentions you in a in an Instagram post or a Twitter post you can see all of a sudden you start getting all these notifications on your phone you're like what's going on here and then you just realize it's <laughs> all these kids that follow Bayo who start following you or messaging you so look he's, he's great for the club because he can promote things and, and help the club in that way um again he he puts things on his on his social media that i would never dream of, of putting on myself but um that that's his character that's who he is and, and it works well for him but but like you said sometimes i think you're a little bit scared of what what's going to come your way if if you do write something a little bit controversial on there and you shouldn't have to worry about that but you know there there can be repercussions and i know with with our media guy at the club i've i've often asked him is it okay to write this or, or write that and mm. and to be fair he's just like yeah do it you know we'll deal with it afterwards <laughs> can i just ask it I don't know. Hopefully, this hasn't happened to you, but I think it's probably happened to most of us on social media, where where you get some stick and 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 people come come after you and they say some quite nasty things. Has, has it ever got to you? Because because it, I think if I was a footballer these days, I don't know whether I would be be on it. I certainly wouldn't be looking at at mentions, particularly after a game where I hadn't played played well. Is is that something that that bothers you at all or, or not? Me personally, not really. I, I kind of understand, you know, what the, what it is, what the game is on social media, and, and you're going to get people just to say stuff mm. for the sake of it. I think we've got a great kind of fan base where they don't kind of give that our own players stick. I, I don't yeah, think there's been many circumstances the last few years where where a player's you know been abused on social media by our own our own fans, which is really good. Um, opposition fans, you know, I do get a lot of stick from them. But uh, I, I quite enjoy. It. I quite. I, I don't get involved in in a little Twitter spat and, and kind of throw one back at them. I don't. I just don't think there's a winner when that happens. But it's a badge uh, of honour. If if the opposition fans are coming for you, Joe, it, it is <laughs> it is something to be proud of. I reckon. Yeah, yeah I mean, I've, I've had it in games where they've been singing that I'm a poor one of their left backs. It's great. Like I just get involved. I just smile and and, and kind of sing a lot I've sang along with with opposition fans hammering me before I've just started singing with them and, and they don't know what to do then they're like oh right okay so um yeah thankfully I haven't haven't been caught up in anything like that but I but some of the players do some of the players you know will really look into 
their their comments after games and their stats they'll look into them and and like talk about who scored earlier players will be on that straight after a game saying oh my stats were low this week you know we could have won a game 3-0 but they're disappointed because their stats on a on a website were poor so I think that's just the way football's going now I think it's, it's so out there for everyone to kind of um dissect every little part of your game that um I think players need to maybe take a little step back and and think that winning a football match can be done in so many ways not just how these stats companies want to want to portray you <laughs> well look if we were going to sum up your performance on the pod today in a tweet it would be three blue heart emojis seven flames emojis hashtag blessed <laughs> applause emoji um joe great as always hashtag wwfc um picture of a chair or something like that. <laughs> would, would that work for you, Clarky? Yeah, yeah. No, that works for me. I think I think you get the parking seal of approval too. <laughs> um, Joe, thanks so much for being with us today. All the best for the weekend and the rest of the season. We'll speak to you soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on again. Really enjoyed uh, it. Clarky, you're, you're obliged by contract to be back with us on Monday, I'm afraid. Okay, I'll see you then, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Many thanks to producer Abby for knocking it all together and to you, listener, as well. As we say, back on Monday. Join us then if you can. Until then, have a great weekend. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.